So I am here with the lovely Gemini mm. twin, <laughs> twin, right? Yes, indeed. Colin. That's me. And thank you for being here. Thank you for having me, Elisa. It's an honor. It is so exciting. We've been talking already for an hour. Ooh. And we have not had this these mics hooked up yet. No. So let's see what we can do now that we are all set up. Now that we're structured and ready. Go ahead. Ready to go. Mm-hmm. So to start off, why don't you tell us who you are? Who what's, I am. What's your sign? Got it. Other than being Gemini, as we know now. Mm-hmm. How did you get into astrology? What is your what does your day look like as an astrologer? Love All the it. good stuff. Okay. So my name is Colin. I am a Gemini sun, Capricorn moon, Leo rising. And yes, I'm a Gemini twin. I have a twin sister named Courtney and we were born on May 24th. So we are Gemini twins. So are Laverne Cox and her twin brother, Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen and Beyonce's twins. So there's a lot of multiple births that happen during Gemini sun season. So it's cool to be one. Um, how did astrology <laughs> find me? It, it kind of fi- it finds you, right? Yeah, like you totally. don't you don't even wake up and go, oh, today I'm going to do this. It just seizes you. And I think it seized me really early because my mother read Linda Goodman's Sun Signs as did every effing New York woman, right? And she just always talked about it in the house. And uh, What was, sign is your mother? Cancer. Oh, which is great for your Capricorn moon. Oh, she's the best. That makes a lot of sense. Double cancer, cancer sun, cancer rising, and uh, a Libra moon. So she's just like an earth angel. I'm wow. like, God, can I be as a fraction of nice as you are? Uh, so she would just always talk about it in the house. And I was like, what is this language you're using? And then uh, I was around 12 or 13 when I started using it. And I was just blown away by it. And I think growing up as a as a queer little boy, what I loved is that astrology used language that helped me understand myself as a reflection free from just traditional notions of masculinity at the time. So I was like coming of age at like 2001, 2002. So it was amazing that, it, you know, as a Gemini man, I could say, you know, a thinker and a speaker and a reader and a writer, like that was never articulated in any other system. And I was like, hook, line and sinker, done. And then I started working in it professionally full time when I was 27. Because I was fired from my job, from my day job. And then I was like, well, F it. I'm going to use this unemployment and start this effing thing. And what was your day job at the time? P.S. Can I curse on here? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Please do. Right. Thank you. Um, I was working as a textile producer because I went to Parsons School of Design. So I'm all into, you know, anything having to do with fashion, materiality, and just the whole garment industry. So I was working in textiles and uh, they just moved my department abroad. So there was no work for anybody in my department. And I was actually fired during my Mars return. And it was also must have been during your um, <clears throat> nodal opposition, right? Yes, exactly. So it was it was June 2017. And I, you and I are both Leo Aquarius mm-hmm. nodals, no, Aquarius North Node, Leo South Node. And I also think like the X marks the spot, Mars return. It was literally exact. It was Mars in 16 degrees Cancer. And it was like, bitch, you're out. Did you know that at the time? Or did no. you go back and look and see that? Looked back, right? Because it's funny. Mars wasn't a planet I immediately connected to. And now I'm like, you know what? Let me really, because a lot of people are coming to me during the Mars returns. I'm sure you see patterns in your readership. Oh, yeah, all you, the time. Right, like what's going on? And a lot of my clients are coming to me during Mars returns. So I was like, well, geez, what happened to me during mine? And then, of course, every single moment I looked in the ephemeris, it was like Mars and 16 degrees cancer. Something I could remember quickly happened. So, and here I am to tell the tale. Staring down 30. Ooh. 
We just found out that we were born the same year. Yeah, same season, same year. Same season. It's so... uh, And here we go. High-fiving. High-fiving. Like a bunch of dorks. No, because it's Capstack, (laughs) baby. Okay. Yeah, so let's talk about that for a second. Yes. Um, So we have Saturn, Uranus, Neptune, Mm -hmm. all in Capricorn. Indeed. Right next to each other. My degrees, since I just looked, I'm one degree Uranus. Mm. Um seven degrees Saturn, nine degree Neptune, and then I'm 12 degree Capricorn rising. Nice. So I have quite a stellium coming from my 12th house. All conjunct your ascendant too. All conjunct my ascendant. Amazing. Um, <clears throat> and then where are yours? Uh, I think I'm Uranus in six cap, uh, Neptune in 13, and uh, Saturn in 13 as well. I, oh, they're conjunct? Yeah, my Neptune Saturn is pretty precise. Yeah, and they're all retrograde too. Yeah, all mine are retrograde yeah, too. See, yeah, right, well, the same season, right? Just, yeah, we're like stop. weeks away from each other. <laughs> I know. No, why are we being shocked I know, at all? Because it's cool. It it's is like cool. Astrology it's... bonding people. It's the so best. yeah, and and Uranus obviously is astrology. Uranus yes. represents astrology, yes. so it makes sense that there is such strong Uranian energy. Yes. Um, for this generation of yes. people who are interested in all the cosmos. Yes. So what? How do you make sense of this? wacky Capricorn uh, conjunction that happened in the late 80s, early 90s? Well, from a historical point of view, too, in the late 80s, that was when uh, we really kind of started to see the corporate takeover of American democracy. And I'm convinced that our generation, probably obviously not during our first Saturn return, but our second Saturn return, it will be the moment either when we completely overturn Citizens United or just completely take away money out of politics. Because in the 80s, that's when we started inventing the trickle-down economic theory, and that was when the American media conglomeration started to consolidate into like three or four. So that's when we started to see what we see now, the corporatocracy in American media. And I think that that's why democracies become legalized bribery, essentially, Mm -hmm. right? It's all about who can hold the most economic leverage. So not to bore you guys, but I think with Saturn, Uranus, Neptune, and Capricorn, I think we're going to going to be the people that fundamentally transform hierarchies and political structures, right? Also technology and spirituality and healing and holistic paradigms of personal growth and development. <laughs> I mean, we sound pretty cool, right? So I think we're I think we're already doing it, and that's actually what I wanted to bring up to you. I think we're all I think it's already happening because as you posted on Instagram, there is a kind of astrological renaissance happening. And I think it has a lot to do with the current climate of the world. And I think the Capricorn influenced souls are people who can rise to the occasion and say, okay, we have the tools and the solutions to handle this. Yeah, I think that there is, you know, what I find really interesting in in thinking about, you know, taking each one of these planets and understanding the way that they work independently is that there is a push and pull between you know Saturn being like okay these are the rules yes Uranus being I hate the fucking rules right. and Neptune being like what are rules right like there are what do <laughs> those even exist that is a perfect exist? progression you guys <laughs> I know like really that's exactly it go ahead yeah I, I find that to be very much also the spirit of that sort of strange millennial energy yeah where we are trying to work all the time yes. but we're also trying to not work all right. the time 
And we also are trying to make money because we know that we need to. Right. But we're also trying to like fuck the system exactly. and not really take you know money but then brands are sponsoring us it's really confusing and disjointed yes i think because we have so many conflicting planetary energies that are all saying in capricorn like i'm doing it right right trust me (laughs) yeah yeah. it may not make sense right now but from the outside looking in there is a there is a larger plan and i'm doing it well yeah exactly yes and i think the capricorn focus right now is for all of us to kind of engage with the system and transform it Right, because we can't transform what we're not directly participating in. And I think with Capricorn energy, what I know to be true about the influence here is that there are certain things that are eternally true. Capitalism can have a moral center if it's done well. Spirituality can have a moral center if it's done well. Transformation, like, well, certain things are in wisdom to the ages. Certain things are always true no matter what decade we're in, no matter what country we're in. And I think Capricorn energy has that real big pulse on what things do change and what things do not change. Well, it's the last manifester. It's the last of the cardinal signs. Yes. yes, So at that point, we are making change, not just to make change, but we need, we know by that point in the zodiac that the shifts that we need to make have to be cataclysmic. Oh, I love it. Yes. And I also think too, even it's a cardinal sign and obviously strongly initiating the last manifester the people who begin things but it's also a creature that has two symbolisms in one totally like the mutable signs totally interesting which is like kind of what i love about capricorn energy too which is like again what does change and how do we make space for this to adapt culture because only things that are rigid are going to die but then what wisdoms and principles and values are in relationship to the ages capricorn can do both and we don't always talk about that but they can yeah i mean i think that that actually is i do think about the sea goat very often because i think about the signs inherent dualities and there's a couple of them so we have gemini obviously like the you know archetype of duality Mm -hmm. but then we also have libra Mm, Uh, we have sagittarius which is the centaur and capricorn yeah as this also like dual creature and then we have pisces absolutely so there's a lot of and i you know i would even say that scorpio could count as duality too Eighth house yeah absolutely because you have the the tail at the end of it right 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 which is the stinger yes 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 so you know, I guess then you can extrapolate and say everything has a tail and that could be duality. But Capricorn really is, it can both traverse land and sea. Yeah. And yes. it can it can go into its intuition and it can also climb the mountain. Yes. And that is a very powerful manifesting energy 100%. for the Uranus, Neptune, Saturn yeah. folk. And also, too, this isn't just relevant for people who were born there. There are a ton of planets in Capricorn right now. Right now. So the focus is like, well, let's examine that, right? And I like what you said about land and sea. I also understand Capricorn energy as an archetype that can climb to the top of the worldly mountain, the worldly mountain being emblematic of like personal worldly success, because with that fishtail, they have achieved emotional mastery. And where do we blow it? Where do we make a lot of mistakes when we're emotionally reactive, emotionally self-indulgent? We let our emotions run our lives. So in order to achieve worldly success, one needs to be emotionally managed. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly, I think, what the universe is asking for us now, too, You know, with, with uh, Pluto and Saturn and Capricorn is like, what do you think? You know, you're the only one that's affected by the traumas and the craziness that's happening on the world. You and everybody else. So, so Jupiter is also going to join forces. I can't wait. So, you know, it's interesting because in that same, I hadn't even really thought about this until now. So our generation, we have 
the Uranus, Neptune, and Saturn all in <clears throat> Capricorn, and now babies that are going to be born in 2020 are going to have Jupiter, Saturn, and Pluto all in Capricorn. Oh, yeah, yes, so there's yes, going to yes, be yes. another trifecta. Yes, yes. Of Capricorn. Of Capricorns. Oh my God, I love it. I love it. And go ahead. No, no. So I'm wondering what you think about Jupiter joining the force. Yeah. I love it. Well, Capricorn ties that bind, right? And Jupiter, as we know, is an energy that theoretically is a benefit. So it's slated to kind of increase access, abundance, faith, spirituality, and all of that. So again, I just think there is a matter of like recognizing that when we work hard, when we are emotionally managed, when we try to live a life of impeccability and righteousness and wisdom, our life works. Right? We can we can uh, we can make it all complex and crazy and multidimensional, or we can just sort of say, well, actually, when I take one hundred percent responsibility for the tenor of my day and myself and my thoughts and my emotionality, my life will work. Or I can give my power away and blame everybody else. Mm -hmm. Right? I have been so when we were <clears throat> when we're thinking about the outer planets, you know, to me it almost feels like a UN meeting. It's like <laughs> it's like the big forces coming metaphors. together. Yes. And I actually speaking, I have another metaphor that I'm really excited to share with you Please. Um, about Jupiter and Saturn. So Jupiter is the planet of expansion and luck and fortune, and he's like this. He's. I'm seeing him with like a big hairy chest yes. and a gold chain, yes. and he's like who you'd want to roll to Las Vegas. <laughs> yes. with. like his like yes. shirt is open. Oh God, he has 100%. like blonde women around him everywhere, right. and he's like throwing the dice, and he's <laughs> like margaritas on the house. Like it. he's a ton of fun. Totally, but he's in the casino that Saturn owns. Ooh, Saturn shit. owns the casino that he's playing in, but they both mm. need each other. Saturn mm. needs mm. Jupiter to be there spending money and Jupiter needs the structure that Saturn provides in order to have the space to show off and do all the Jupiter stuff. Brilliant. Who so, are they without each other? Exactly. No, nothing. Right. And yeah. even though they can be like, oh, who is this like degenerate or like, who is this uptight. like uptight, you know, yeah, don't kick me out. Right. There's no right. closing time here. Right. They actually rely on each other to have a whole ecosystem. And once again, that is, I think, what the world is asking of us now is like, OK, where is the space for joy, innovation, creativity and courage? Right. Because it's real popular to be like cynical, disengaged, you know, reinforcing hopelessness. And I feel dead inside and blah, blah, blah. We almost look down upon anybody who's like Jupiterian in nature. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, oh, they're naive. They're not really thinking of the world critically. Whereas there's also the place to say, well, wait a minute, like, what are my consequences? What's going to happen if I make this decision? What are the ethics here? What's the what's the full spectrum of my uh, impeccability in this decision? And yeah, we need both. We do. We need both. You know, I I was a I was like an art history nerd before I Love became it. an astrology nerd, which makes sense because there's They're a total yeah, there's yeah a complete one to one. I actually went to an alumni event for my college and had my coming out where I told all of my old professors <laughs> I was out. an astrologer yeah, and they were so snobby and obnoxious at first. <gasps> and then I was like, you know what? I use mythology every day. And I was like, my peers don't. Yeah, really. <laughs> Fuck yeah, off. Really. I am using my degree. Honey. I am. I am really using my degree. Thank you. So in art history, there is a whole, um, there's a whole allegory of the melancholy figure. 
Yes. And the melancholy figure is actually a very esteemed creative space to go to when yeah. we become a philosopher and an intellectual and we can really make some of our best work in a state of melancholia. Mm. And today we're just super happy, happy, happy. Like I want to be happy all the time. How do I bring joy? Yeah. How do I make everything just gleeful constantly? Yeah. But yeah. that's actually not real. No. Like we have yeah. to have the Jupiter Saturn balance yeah. Yeah. of sure enjoying life and fulfillment and abundance yep. but we also need time to reflect and feel sorrow or feel you know absolutely. depressed absolutely <laughs> absolutely and it's funny in true inside out fashion because our charts are like inside versions of each other i think from what i'm seeing i think there is an overemphasis on why i'm fucked up why my life sucks why i'm dead inside why i'm traumatized mm. why i have dysfunction now on the that could be very very true but again, the idea here is, yeah, you and everybody else. So what are you doing about it? I actually don't see an emphasis in terms of leaning towards joy and excitement and optimism and hope because it's considered anti-intellectual these days. I mean, I could be wrong, but I, that's well, what, what I'm I seeing. Well, what I find is, you know, I, I think it's the same thing. I think it is the inside out inversion of itself right. because what I see is just all of this, like, you know, how <clears> to... <throat> eat healthy and exercise all the time and self-care and bubble baths and like ultimately you're gonna find <laughs> like rising. yeah <laughs> self-care bubble baths and you're gonna find that bliss it's like we're seeking yeah that oh i see what you're saying feeling of yeah joy and we are marie condoing everything <laughs> and holding it and saying like does this bring me joy if not toss it aside right. and i ah. think that that's a good system yeah in theory but right. really we also need to make space for things that also you know might be painful too and that's absolutely and that is a beautiful uh astrological connection to how i interpret the eighth house because i think the eighth house is really where people confront the pain for the first time yes i completely okay. agree yeah yes. and you have an eighth house stellium yes. so you know more <laughs> about this than anybody right and i think and the, and the wisdom of the eighth house is when we go to the depths, when we go to hell, when we confront our subconscious mind and really check in and say, well, are you working for me? Because so far I've self-sabotaged any possibility of personal and relational success. And we say, well, shit, I really need to, you know, do better than this. Then the work begins. And you're right. I think we're we, either we're denying joy or we're denying the, the the difficulty. And I think we have to make space for both. Mm -hmm. And that's where Scorpio is dual. Yes. Right. Because then after we confront the hell, then we get the dawn of Sagittarius, the light of Sagittarius. Absolutely. Right and I, I interpret it very similarly. Beautiful. I see the, you know, as, as we're going through, whereas we're moving through our houses, we get to the seventh house, which is the first time that we realize, oh, shit, I need somebody else to yeah. help me. Yeah. And I'm going to now just do this. I'm, I've been focused on my own mm -hmm. reality. Mm -hmm. And now I see you as an equal. We're peers yes. and we're going to, you know, it's sort of like a two of cups energy. We're going to do this together. Love it. And then the eighth house comes and it's like, oh, shit. You have a past? You have mommy right, and daddy right. who gave you bullshit? Oh, right, man. and I'm not just now responsible for my own shit, but now right. I have to have, take on yours, too. Yeah, and, and because we're in a relationship, we're going to bring out the worst in each other? Exactly. Fuck. Yes, and then you have to care, and you're realizing that I'm not just living here with my own realities. Hello. I'm also taking on the baggage and the history and yeah. everything else that yeah. is passed down through lineage. Yes, and dealing and with the same pain as too. everybody else. Yes. 
we are just like everybody else. And I think that's like kind of the beauty of, of, I love this conversation of like Saturn and Jupiter in so far as like, what, you think you're the only one that has these precious problems? So real. Right. And then when you wake up and open your fucking eyes and realize that you and everybody else have this same racket and dysfunction, that should give you hope and optimism because now you know you're not alone. Right. And that's that tough love with a renewed sense of optimism, which is very Saturn and Capricorn and Jupiter about to be in Capricorn. Yes. And then only there can we actually provide empathy with each other, compassion with one another, and use our resources and minds to find the solutions to the things that are keeping us in pain. Right. Because by the time that we clear the eighth house, that Scorpio energy, (sighs) we get, we're in the last grouping of the signs. And at that point with Sagittarius, Capricorn, Aquarius, Pisces, we are thinking on macro. Yeah. So we're not really so worried about like the interpersonal bullshit. No. We're like, yes, we all are dealing D- with this exactly. now. Exactly. So exactly. when we get to the ninth house and we're thinking of like, how do we make change and affect it on a large scale, yeah. on a philosophical level, yes. not the third house where we're dealing with like, okay, how do we like open a new store <laughs> in our community? <laughs> like, I know. like right. we need a bar here. Right. No, I know, exactly, <laughs> macro, micro. Right. But yeah. And, and and seeing that turning point really just affects the whole rest of the chart and just can provide amazing changes. And I think I think that's where we're going to go when Jupiter enters Capricorn. I can't wait for that conjunction in 2020 on January What do you 11th. think also about the nodes being in there as well? Well, I, I, I think that's really we're going to see an American revolution of sorts. I, I do, really too. do. Yeah. Not I, I, it could be in the space of like uh, political warfare. I don't know, which is also a great point to mean, you know, the consumption of the metaphysics now. But yeah, an old world is dying. Good. Let it die. It does not serve. Goodbye. Right. And the people who are spiritually inclined and academically understood and politically motivated we need to be the biggest grown-ups in the room having these tough conversations well and say, we can with yes, be, because we have this, this capricorn stellium right where we're like <laughs> well this stru- these structures suck using you know economic principles as the primary ordering value of civilization does not work hello we're seeing it in the misadventures in the world today so can we think of something else and that's what I think we want to do. So we can't be reactive. We can't be, you know, too triggered and in our feelings around it. We got to get to work. Right. We got to get to work. Hello. So real. Two Capricorn influenced astrologers, guys. We're going there. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And, I, and I'm excited for it. I do. I, I don't want to sound like naive, but I, be, I, I believe in the story of, the, of America. I believe that it can do better. I think it's trying. We've always had wonderful con- contributions to global enlightenment and we've committed some of the worst egregious humanity errors in in the history of mm-hmm. the world so there's always been both but I, I i believe america can self-correct i believe that america can get it right and i'm really excited to see how we can do that whenever we are in places of just global conflict and warfare there is always an increased consumption in any metaphysical or esoteric conversation school of thought because i think the vast majority of people start to question well is there another way of living because clearly this worldly stuff isn't cutting it because everyone's miserable so maybe i should consult with an astrologer maybe i should call a psychic i mean the ouija board was invented in the civil war by two mothers who lost their sons and they were like well we want to connect to the spirit can we do this like the spiritualism movement began right after the civil war and then had another resurgence in world war one and world war two yes it so did. here we are again and then of course during vietnam uh, yeah right the new age movement of the 60s yeah. hello Right. So and I think and, and, and look at what that generation did. And in terms of, hello, impeaching a president and stopping a war. 
And they were wearing, you know, their signs that said, all you need is love and look at everything that they accomplished. So I think it's really important for spiritual seekers to know that they have a historical legacy of impacting change in a big way. And if there are others who are ignorant of that and want to laugh at you, go ahead, because they laughed at the people in the 60s too. But you want to really stand tall in that stature and say, no, this is the legacy of the people who I'm working with. And we're the only ones who have ever impacted culture. And I'm going to have the last laugh, motherfucker. Yeah. So keep it up. Keep it the fuck up. Because I'm going to laugh myself all the way to the bank, bitch. So real. Whereas your wife can't stand your fucking boring ass because you don't want to read your goddamn horoscope. (laughs) Right? How's that working out for your sex life, buddy? Ain't good. I love it. Oh, my God. Yes. Yes. Bring bring them to Colin. (laughs) I know. Please. My cop moon wakes up looking for a fight. Send me these motherfuckers. I swear to God. What is your Mars? Capricorn, Mars. Oh, oh, Mars and Cancer. Excuse me. Mars and Cancer. Mars and Cancer, opposite moon. Oh, right. Right. We so have people, these oppositions. Yeah, we have the opposition, and they think, you know, Mars and Cancer are passive aggressive or like avoiding of conflict. No. Let me tell you something about Cancer energy. Not because <laughs> I have it, but it's in it's in history, man. It's, it's just everywhere. When Cancer energy feels threatened, they're gonna they will react violently. They're gonna kill you. Right? Oh yeah. Right, and think about it. In the in the animal kingdom, there's the fiercest behavior on the part of the adult female when she senses a threat to her young. They don't say watch out for that papa bear. They say, oh no, just don't come near the mother and her kids, because that's the fiercest behavior in the adult kingdom, and in the animal kingdom. And I think that's cancer energy. So that's where I go. And what I think about with astrologers and us as colleagues, as as, as friends, it's all one family and home. So if anybody comes with something I care about, I'm just gonna kill you. <laughs> Like, that's it. It's murder. Right. So I hope you enjoyed it because it's the last thing you're ever going to do on this earth. And lights out. So, yeah. And Mars is about to go into cancer. So I um, got time. Anne Ortley was doing my chart once. Angel. She, yeah, the best. And <laughs> she saw my Pluto midheaven conjunction and she was like, oh, you're a little mob boss. Oh, I love it. I love it. And I she was it. like, "You." She was like, "What are you up to?" And I was like, "Nothing." And I was like, "I am a little boss." <laughs> Actually, and uh, Samuel Reynolds, who's a very popular astrologer, he talks a lot about how Capricorn, Pisces, and Libra are like some of the greatest archetypes present in organized crime syndicates. Interesting. So yeah, and you have, got two of those three. Have you seen this? Oh, you before? have all three. No, because you have Venus and Libra, so you have yeah. all three. Yeah. Go ahead, sorry. Yeah, I also, I have this, I guess anybody who's listening, if you have the connections, you can take it. Just put me in the dedication. I would like <laughs> to do a modern day mythology, like Greek mythology set with like a Sopranos backdrop. Ooh, That's yeah. like where we have like the, you know, yes. Pluto is the mob boss and we have Jupiter. I mean, maybe I was describing this earlier with like no, the casino situation. Yeah. This is this is going to be one of my legacy projects. I love it. Do it. Do it. Because it's just a great way for people to get the context here. We're all talking about this energy. This is what it's. This is how it manifests in history. This is how it manifests in this context. Because people relate to that. They yeah, really do. I I love working with um, metaphors and yes. celebrities as archetypes to understand yes. how the energy works. One of speaking of cancer, one of my favorite Cancerian archetypes is. Mike Tyson, mm. who will bite your fucking ear off, but also loves birds. <laughs> and he has an he trains pigeons. I love it. And he is is like you. there are these pictures of him, like holding these little delicate creatures and his eye, like tears in his that. eyes 
giant tattoos on his face and that is like the tough cancer exterior soft mushy gushy interior but we'll also bite your ear off right which we know (laughs) symbolically we know that's what a crab represents but how is it often made manifest in you know experiences and i am re-watching um american crime story and they're doing oj simpson Oh, wow. He's a cancer as well. He is a cancer. Yeah. So, again, this we're talking about murderers here. We're not esteeming that or anything like that. But we are mentioning that this is energy that will go to extreme and an unforgivably violent lengths to prove a point or get what they want or whatever. And oftentimes, we make grave mistakes by acquiescing or recycling the mythology that cancer is past progressive. Well, I also think that, you know, where cancer falls right before Leo is an interesting placement because first of all, Cancer and Leo are the two, you know, we have lunar and solar energy and neither go retrograde, right? But they really are coming at it from two different perspectives. Where Leo is like, you get what you see, right? Like Leo's like, look at me, give me all the attention, (laughs) whatever. And then we have Cancer who's like, oh, you're gonna fucking see me. right? You're gonna see me. It's a sting operation. right? Like but you'll see term. me at night and you'll see me in the way I want you to see me. Yes. You're going to see me in a crescent form Thank or you. you're going to see me in a gibbous form. Right. You'll but never I'm, know. But right. You don't know who you're getting. But cancer always needs to be seen, too. And it's interesting because that's the nodal play. That's the north node right now. And those were those are my parents. I have a cancer mom and a Leo dad. Really? Yeah. And it's funny, too, because another celebrity couple, not that my parents are celebrity couples, but a celebrity another couple. Another celebrity right, couple. No. My parents. Oh, God. Uh, no, a celebrity couple. That's Cancer Leo. Your Cancer is, mom would be so happy you said she that. She would. Oh, my God. Um, so one celebrity couple is Giselle Bündchen and Tom Brady. So Cancer Giselle, Leo, Tom Brady. And, yeah, you can you can see they're, they're very different alphas. But they are strong. Total both alphas. Oh my God, so strong in very different ways. And that's a beautiful looking too. And I think with Cancer energy right now as the North Node opposite all the Capricorn energy, I think it's really asking us to really step into that emotional strength, step into that emotional power. Like don't get reactive, but just get emotionally fluent. What is the emotional intelligence here? What's happening on the level of like the internal? And then respond however you feel inspired. But yeah, I love Cancer energy. It fascinates me. Yeah, and it's also, as you're saying, if it being the opposite of Capricorn, which is the patriarchy, it's the establishment. Cancer is saying like, oh, no, we're the matriarchy. Yes, baby. We are the establishment, too. But we are coming at it from a different perspective. 100%. And I love looking at Cancer and Cap as like the parental role, right? And I also think, too, it's really beautiful to think how Cancer energy represents theoretically an idea where where one is emotionally home wherever they are and treats everyone as family because that's that's how i interpret cancer right like no matter where you are what you're doing or who you're talking to you are home within yourself because that's fourth house to me emotional safety home and family and you treat everybody as such that is actually how we make a tremendous difference in the world in the capricorn axis Right. right. What would the world look like if we treated every country as a cousin or a right. distant relative? What would the world look like? Who would we be if we treated everybody with that like namaste consciousness of like everyone is family, wherever I go, I'm home? Yes. And the United States is a cancer. Yeah. July 4th, 1776, baby. Absolutely. It is a cancer. Yeah. This is supposed to be home. Yes. So Homeland hopefully belonging. that nodal, I, I like your. I like your Jupiter optimism right now because hopefully this nodal opposition coming to this 
more Capricorn stacking energy, yes. Pluto return yes. is going to say, let's make the United States home again. Yes. And and just let's reconsider the values here but through an honest perspective. As I said, you know, at the founding of our Constitution and through the Declaration of Independence, our fathers wrote, well, our fathers, that's so theological, but you know what I mean? Yeah, they were uh, such losers. Such losers, but like we also love John Hancock for writing a big signature and telling <laughs> King George III to go fuck himself. I love history. But no, so the fact that we said, you know, all men, meaning all people created equal, and they themselves were slave owners. So there's always been this tension and paradox within the United States, and I think that if we don't live out of the vision of creating a country that could be a moral compass again, what well then what you can live out of vision or we can live out of circumstances that's warner or uh, warner Earhart said that and I, that's what i'd like to see and that's not to be not critical because obviously we are critical of american foreign policy we're critical of the capitalism where it's gone we're critical of the undue influence of money and we're also critical because we want to love the country we live in there's no reason why we don't have uh advanced health care for all there's no reason why 53 percent of the budget goes to the military industrial complex there's absolutely no reason right but with cancer which also represents so the moon represents the people in mundane astrology the oh, moon that's is the I never people. Knew that. that's beautiful so this is and you know saturn capricorn is the establishment so yeah. it's not it's more than just the you know the gender binary here it's yeah. also about the individuals yeah. and what we need as citizens yes, and civilians yes, 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 as yes. opposed to what you know the the people in positions of power are able to exploit right because they don't even know what's happening on the level of the person exactly because they don't represent of course again theoretically they should but we're seeing that change now right we're seeing you know aoc aoc we're seeing the house change of course like obviously we're moving in many different directions thanks to the midterm elections but yeah things are things things are shifting and i think if we're not holding on to uh, what's called tragic optimism. Have you ever read Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl? No. It's beautiful. So he uh, was, because he passed away, a psychiatrist who was a Jew in Poland. And then obviously during World War II, we all know what happened. He was then taken to, I think Bergen-Belsen was his concentration camp. And he applied what he knew about psychology to other Jews that were in concentration camps with him. And he made a case for tragic optimism which is essentially we're going to hold space for optimism in the space of enormous tragedy and egregious circumstances of what we're observing. And every person who was able to do that, he realized survived. Where he said the regular optimists were just like, oh, we're going to be out by you know Hanukkah, we're going to be out by next year, making up these deadlines, did not survive. But he says, let's make a case for tragic optimism where we will maintain an optimism in the space of tragedy. So what does that look like in application? Today, for right now, for the political circumstances, kind of what we're saying now is that we are not denying, ignoring, or looking over the great political horrendous mistakes that are being made right now by the Trump administration and beyond. We are not ignoring it. We're announcing it. We're saying this is absolutely happening. But as spiritual and political seekers, we're going to deny its ultimate effects over us. We're going to look through it and say, okay, this is not the end of the story. And we're going to invoke alternative solutions that make sense for what our values are today. Mm -hmm. You see what I mean? Yeah. So it's just a matter of acknowledging and obviously identifying where the United States is completely off the rails, but we are going to deny its ultimate power over us and invoke other things beyond it. Which is moon. 
Mooney, I love Mooney. I love and the United States is a cancer, absolutely, and the North Node is in Cancer, and and back to and it's going to have its final eclipse on July fourth, twenty twenty. Oh, I never knew that. Yes. Oh, I just got chills. I know it is so exciting. Oh, I just got chills. Okay, and I think too, you know, we can't make that back to the case for tragic optimism. We can't make that come alive on our national level if it's not alive in our personal level. And what are the experiences that keep anybody in pain and discomfort? We know it. So then how do we maintain optimism in the face of it? Because if you know what can change your own heart, then you know what changes the world because all the world is is a collection of individuals. Right. And all of the chart is, is, you know, it's has above so below hello right i'm standing in front of it it's yeah. in her apartment i love it it's yeah. everything is just um you know yes. a microcosm within itself yes we have in our birth charts the all the planets all mm. the stars yeah. all the comets and asteroids and everything we could ever have is in us within us just as it is within are each other just as it yes. is within yes. the world just as it is within the history of time and how does that not make you feel hopeful yeah i mean it's how to me that... astrology and one of the things that i love most about it and i feel like a broken record saying it all the time but i also feel it's important to say all the time is that it's a practice in empathy mm, and yes. it's 100 percent. it's Couldn't a, agree more. a practice in understanding first finding forgiveness for ourselves and finding mm. love for ourselves and appreciation yeah. for even the things that are difficult and feel almost insurmountable right and then when we allow ourselves to say okay this is who i am then we can also look at someone who we have a very difficult time with and yeah. say, okay, this is who they, they are, are and this is what they need and maybe they need love differently than I do and uh, I am beautiful. going to show up and give them the love as they need. You hear That's a Pisces moon in <laughs> action, everybody. Enlightened perfectly. Exactly. It is an empathy tool. There's no doubt. And how could we not feel hopeful about its application when we're talking to people who we disagree with or when we're in spaces and situations that cause us discomfort? How could we not? We have the universe within us, right? As above, so below, as within, so without. That's right. And if you lay claim to that, it will be very difficult for you to feel like you don't have agency. Yes, 100%. Right. I So I, I'm asked this a lot, and I'm curious what you how you respond when you're asked this. I'm sure you are too, is how do you deal with somebody who you um you know like if you have a boss or mm. a friend who you have a difficult time with like how can how do you advise people to use astrology and mm. coping with you know bad interpersonal vibes Oof, my gosh okay so do we know their birthday like is in this context do we know what their sign is and are they comfortable talking about it let's do let's explore both okay, let's explore okay. all the options so great i love it if we know their birthday and they're comfortable talking about it, then yeah, let's expand our personal repertoire and say we're having difficulty with the Virgo. Maybe this person, this boss, this person was assigned to you because you do struggle with paying attention to detail. And maybe it is hard for you to be punctual and deliver impeccability on your word. And maybe, you know, really paying attention to the practical application of things is not your forte. So that's why this difficulty is here to show you your walls, to show you your blind spots, right? So that's great. And then you can really go in there with that consciousness, 
of receptivity rather than defensiveness. And then you can learn a lot about who you are and what this person is here to teach you. Right now, if you don't know this person's birthday, uh, you know, full disclosure, I'm a student of A Course in Miracles, which has a lot of fascinating context around relationships. And it says that every relationship is an assignment, Mm. especially the people that upset you. Right. Because they're tap dancing on your wounds for a reason, honey. Right. So what I would do in that situation, if they're not comfortable talking about astrology or, you know, nothing like that. Right. Because we're not preaching or proselytizing or anything like that is I would, as the Course says, you sort of say, I'm willing to see this differently. I'm willing to have my relationship of this person reinterpreted by a thought system beyond my own, which is some spiritual space. You can call it God, the universe, whatever language you want to use. And then your resonance changes because like you were saying, this is a tool in empathy because we are one, we are each other. So when you are not defensive and angry and combative, people will feel it on the subconscious level and they're going to respond to you differently. Right. And one of the woo-woo strategies that I use when other people trigger me is I just say the love of me salutes the love in you. Because my theoretically, the idea here is my higher self will then bless them and they will then feel differently about me and then my company and our relationship dynamic will transform. Yeah, I I love that. I think that that is so that's really good advice. And I think that it's a really good approach to dealing with a difficult situation. My um, freaky mob boss in me also has <laughs> has a different. I, I also no, go ahead. Let me I hear have it. a little, um, you know, obviously like the best, the one of the biggest motivators can be revenge, right? Mm. Harsh but true. Like not revenge in a hostile way, but like you know, well, you if somebody wants you to fail, you are going to show them that you're the fucking boss, right? So. If you're dealing with a situation, if you have a boss or a supervisor who is just like running you down and just making you feel really shitty, what I like to do and what I've done is I try to figure out in my mind why they are acting that way. Yeah. Why are they behaving this way? Exactly. Did they have a really mean dad who made them feel shitty? Did they have a older sibling who picked on them and called them names and even if i'm sort of creating this narrative i can again i guess pisces moon it i can find um i i can find forgiveness for why they're being an asshole yeah and i can try to figure out a way of being like all right honey i know you're sure like take the credit for it you need it more than i do because you came from that environment. And I like, yes. And I like that you brought it up in terms of like past stuff, because that's really all they're doing. When, oh, yeah. When, 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 when people are showing their personality defect, they're showing the wounded child. And it's, it's not the easiest thing, but would we respond to a child that way if they're having a tantrum? No, we'd be like, oh, okay, little one, like you'll be fine. And I think with adults, we have to remember, this is just a place where because of the past and childhood trauma and dysfunction, they don't know how to open themselves up to love and still feel like they're safe and getting their needs met. So they go nutty. And that's where we all go when we're in personal dysfunction. So it's helpful to just sort of like go, all right, I'm going to bless you and keep it moving. Yeah. Now, that's not to say we can't hold healthy boundaries. I mean, you and I, Capricorn rule people, we love to have those boundaries. But we'll just know from the ultimate spiritual level, that's not who they really are. It's just their fear, their ego, their dysfunction, whatever. That's not the ultimate version of who they are. So we'll hold healthy boundaries on the level of the personal and sort of say no to their bullshit. But then on the spiritual level, hopefully salute the best of them and invite that personality to reveal itself in conversation. 
Well, that's one of the things that about astrology that is so cool is the fact that we can crack open yeah like even beautiful. the most difficult circumstance yes. or personality you know the yes. most um hard-edged people really start to show their softness by looking deeper and understanding like i see you you know yes. and i think that as astrologers it's such a gift to beautiful. be able to um allow people to just celebrate who they are and just feel seen, yes. you know, and say, like, I know just that this chills. frustrates you and yes. that's OK. It's yes. OK that it frustrates you. And Aliza, you could be the very first person in the history of their life to ever reflect that back to them accurately. Well, you were just I mean, sharing that's... that you just went to Cancun. I did. Spring I did. break. I hope. And you were sharing with me before we were mic'd up that you were <laughs> completely blown away completely. by how... Um, how honest and vulnerable the spring break party goers were. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, before we were rolling, you know, astrologer or astrologer, I was telling Elisa like the subterranean expectations that I had around going into that venue because one would think it was just going to be, you know, sex, drugs, party, and rock and roll. And hey, good for you if that's what you wanted to do, right? It's spring break, right? But I was pleasantly surprised, as was uh, our colleague, Mecca Woods. By the by, the depth of the questioning from these people, from these you know these re, re, the participants really from like eighteen to twenty three years old, just about asking questions about well why did this breakup happen? Oh, so it's because my mother taught me about defensiveness and control. So because that's my primary image of an adult woman, thus I learned attachment styles from her. It's wild. Yes, and and I was just like, meanwhile, you know, we got Paulie D DJing <laughs> over the left. You know, it's like also not, a cancer, also a cancer, right? And who would know? No, right? They're all water signs, I think. And then, yeah, so 90 degrees outside. No Ron one and Snooki are Sagittarius. I'm sorry. Okay, I have no, a huge Jersey signs. Shore signs. I love it. No, <laughs> fact check me. Okay. I wish they were there. But yeah, so it was just, I was blown away by how people were asking these questions and how astrology has kind of become like the new priestesshood or that you're, you're, the, you're the new rabbi, you're the new counselor, because now you have conversations with people related to personal growth and healing and solace and compassion that was once reserved for traditional clergy and theologians. And now it's like us. And how great. What an honor. I, I, I think it's it's extraordinary. I cannot believe I get to do what I do. And I know you feel the same way. I, yeah, I really do. So for, for anyone who's listening who is interested in in getting into astrology and becoming an astrologer yeah. themselves, what would you? I'm so glad you brought this up. I knew we were going to talk about this. Go ahead. You did. I had a feeling we would. Yeah. Aww. I'm no eighth house person, but <laughs> sometimes I get nudges. Go ahead. Go ahead. What would your advice be to somebody who wanted to become an astrologer? <sighs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna quote a Sage. It's Rainier Rilke, and he wrote in letters to a young poet: "Do it if you absolutely have to." If there's nothing else that you can do, you have to do. We have a deep psychological imperative to do. And when I was fired from my job, I knew there was nothing else I could do but be a professional astrologer. And I know there was a moment for you. I got fired, yeah. Oh, you did too? <laughs> See, right? Where we both realized like, well, this is probably the way our Capricorn minds wrote, you know, went. Well, I could apply to nine to fives and take the job, you know, security. Or I could take a big risk here because I absolutely have to do this. And as you saw in your career, as I'm sure I saw with my own, the universe supports you. It will make it happen. Nature supports nature. It's in our charts. You can't but be the person who the universe would have you be. So when you take those choices and take those steps, 
you'll fly a full wingspan and you'll create situations you never even knew you could, right? So only do it if you absolutely have to and do it with, do it with, I keep using this word, but it's so Capricornian, just absolute impeccability. You know, really strengthen your relational proficiency with people. Be the most compassionate, forgiving, articulate, responsible, delicate person in every room because people are looking at our community now for wisdom and, and and questioning and feedback that never happened before. Right. So do there's it if, accountability. Yeah. Right. And like know that and yeah, do it if you absolutely have to and slam it out of the park like nobody's business when you do. Are there any, how did you study? What were there any books or oh, yeah. resources or mentorships you did? So I started when I was very young. So like 12, but I was just kind of, you know, on the internet as most of us most of us are really kind of self-taught and my very first like astrology educational opportunity was the norwac conference which stands for northwest uh region astrological conference in seattle in 2016 i got a diversity scholarship that was there because i was representing queer astrologers and queer youth and uh that was the first kind of intro into the quality of education that you could have uh and then i have i had met ophira dude one half of the astro twins another guest on this on the podcast and uh, she was a mentor at a time when I didn't even know that I wanted to be an astrologer, right? So we were just friends. I was at Parsons. I was doing my grad program. We were just yapping and talking. I loved the... the Sad Gemini. Yeah, I love it. Those, that's <laughs> my parents <laughs> are Sad Gemini. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, she's, she has been an enormously supportive impact on my life. And I didn't even know I wanted to do it. And then she, <laughs> in true Sag way, she just fucking said, stop doing this for free. And then I realized, oh, damn, okay. And if she's going to tell me, and as you know, Lisa, she's a giant in the field. Who the fuck am I to say no to her, right? So then that's when it all kind of came together. But I honestly had no clue it would be my career path, as I don't think it really was for you. Like, you were in it. You know, you were in the tech spaces. You were researching it. Like, this is fun. Like, wow, I like this. But did you know for sure, like, always starting that this? No, absolutely not. Exactly. And I think that's how the best stories start. Don't yeah, you? yeah, absolutely. I mean, I similarly like I had a really, you know, I when my company closed in 2016, I was ready to renounce astrology. Oh, I was okay. like, it failed me. Uh, I I dedicated all of my time and all of my money and I had no money. Like I moved back to New York because I sold my furniture is how I got my ticket. Uh, so, I mean, and also like I'm moving back to New York. So boohoo me. It could have been a no, lot worse, you but, you, you know, it's it was it felt like a real failure. Yeah. And I moved back and Annabelle Gatt, who I had been working with with a line, um, I saw her in like the first week or two that I was back and I was telling her, I was like, I don't want anything to do with astrology anymore. Oh, I'm shit. done. And she was like, mm, OK, <laughs> like, I understand how you feel that way. I also was having Jupiter go through my eighth. And she was like, why don't you, why don't you start to take some of my classes? And she, yeah, it was so sweet. She's such an angel. And uh, at that time I was unemployed and I just started immersing myself in astrology. Amazing. And 
as it happened, I'm sure with you, one thing led to another, and then the next thing you know, you're like, okay, I guess I'm ready to call myself a professional astrologer. Absolutely, and I'm and I'm so glad that it happened to you, kind of at a situation of crisis, because now, Aliza, when people come to you with professional financial insecurities, you can bear witness to their context. Exactly, and that's also what makes you a qualified astrologer is a person who can bear witness to the suffering and the difficulties of other people because you went through it yes right and i also a a fun side note you and i both mentioned again astrologers who were supportive of us and could you have done it without her no i couldn't have done it without ofi 100 percent. i can say that loud and proud right and i couldn't have done it without maria de simone another successful astrologer who's helped me out or uh my god samuel reynolds he was the one who got me to norwalk and i think it's really great for us to testify to the fact that we are a collaborative group Absolutely. There could be competitive competitiveness there. That's fine. You know, we can all get in our egos, whatever. But at the end of the day, we're we're hoping to see each other succeed. Absolutely. And Jessica Lignato, she's another one, always recommending people. Once again, why are we astrologers? Because we know that if we're not relational, good luck. <laughs> Right. And that's what astrology is. It's a whole circle of everybody who's supposed to theoretically try to connect with each other. Right. right? So I think that this is also a very important message is that for listeners who want to become astrologers and we we want to have you, you're welcome into the community. The more the merrier. But plan to come into the community. Don't plan to separate yourself and to become one of these weird, elusive, because we know them. We're not going to say their names, but we know them. (laughs) (laughs) These sort of like elusive figures who keep everyone at arm's length, who don't (sighs) participate. For us within the community, we're like, who are you? Show up. Be supportive. Be supportive because you're not fooling anybody. Yes. Right. It's written all over your face. So you don't know how to play nicely with others. And therein lies the fact that you have zero integrity to work with the system. Right. If you want to call yourself like, you know, maybe a theoretical academic astrologer, that's one thing. But Elise and I are counseling astrologers, so we need to have a high degree of customer service and relational intelligence. If that's the industry that you want to get into, then yeah, you're going to want to really strengthen everything that you can do in your interpersonal dynamics and how to connect to other people. And if you have social anxiety and discomfort around that, once again, we all do. So, you know, just know that when you walk in, everyone is just as nervous as you. Put the armor down, show up, be curious, be kind, and people will meet you there. Right, and ask questions. Oh, God, I know, I know. I You have a Gemini dad. I have a Gemini <laughs> She's dad. I have a Gemini I'm not dad. Saying, I'm not saying that that doesn't come true to your chart naturally, but I know when a Gemini-influenced person has trained others to just, yeah, ask the questions because right you'd be amazed at how easily people are willing to talk about themselves right hello and um, and two how how readily people will give you advice right yeah i mean that's a weird thing that's that's something that i you know with my my chart hates authority so when somebody yes 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 oh my god i thought you'd like bow at the altar of it oh no pisces moon i i'm sorry pisces moon leo sun and also uranus is on my ascendant i hate authority oh. i'll pluto my midheaven okay i kind of get hard over it in spain but <laughs> God, yeah. i hate it i hate being told what to do i hate okay. rules okay so much and <laughs> when yeah, and moves. one of the things that somebody you know one of the reasons i think i was very averse to astrology when i was in my punk days which really i feel like defines my spirit in a lot of ways yeah. is 
because I felt like it was a lot of, um, you know, I felt like there was a whole lifestyle that had to go with it of. Yes, um, we were just talking about. This. Yes, of like behaving and acting a certain way yep. and this like fake wokeness. And I can't stand that. Right. I, there's not nothing that like grinds my gears more than a fucking teacher's pet fake woke <laughs> motherfucker. I can't I take it. it because like I wish you were recording this because you got to see the way that she's <laughs> nodding her head as she's doing it. But I can't stand it. And I felt like, you know, growing up, it was the people who were like, "Ooh, like, OK, like, give me your like, I want all of your energy and breathe and don't tell me to breathe if I don't want to breathe. I don't have to breathe. I don't want it. But what I love about astrology is that it empowers people to do whatever they want to do to celebrate really? themselves and say, you know what? My way of coping with a difficult situation might not be your way. Let's figure out what your way is. Yes. yes and that yes, agency yes, yes. is so cool it's to me. It's so cool. So it's cool. Beautiful. I love how you said that. And also knowing that when one feels self-accepted, when one feels safe, seen, and heard in one of Elisa's readings, then what happens is the quality of self-acceptance they then acquire becomes a determiner for the relationship connection that they have. Because what Brene Brown's research is pointing out is that our level of self-acceptance determines our level of relationship. Mm. So when one feels self-acceptance, seen, and heard, that is what determines their quality of belonging, of relationship. Because where do our relationships fail? When we're not 100% real, when we're not proactive, when we're not transparent, when right. we ourselves don't know who we are. So what you're doing in your work and what hopefully astrology can do for any one of us is A, give us self-acceptance. Absolutely. That's the foundation, right? And we always want to push the client to the finish line of so that you could acquire the only thing that gives your relationship any, any your life any quality and it's relationship. That's mm -hmm. it. Yep. That's what Esther Perel's work is saying right now. The quality of our relationships determines the quality of our lives. And if we don't have the our relationships of the highest quality, that's why our lives aren't as unfolding as well. And astrology gives you that prerequisite, which is self-acceptance. Yes. Why wouldn't it, right? So it's, it's it's extraordinary to be in the industry at this it's time right now. It's like the resources, the capabilities, the diversity of voices that are present. It, there's never... I don't know. Has there ever been a, a more a time of more vitality and collaboration and multidimensionality? I don't think so. Well, I mean, I think that not before the internet. No, I think that this <laughs> right? is a really special moment that we're in. Totally, I know. it's a really special moment, and I do really appreciate the fact that you know I do think that there is going to be a breaking point. I think there's going to be sort of the Joan Quigley of the <laughs> of our it. our of our time, and I think we're prepared for it. You know, I think that. People who are bullshit are always going to be people who are bullshit, no matter what field they're exactly. in. Exactly. And you know... And that's just the way it is. It's just the way it is. And also, it's funny. I was thinking about this yesterday. So please, enlighten me. I actually think Joan Quigley was also a fabulous astrologer, by right. the way. For context, this we're talking about Reagan. Yes. Habit. Yeah, right. So I also think, too, like, it's none of my fucking business. Maybe I'm naive, but I'm just like, yo, if, if you want to irresponsibly represent yourself in spaces related to astrology and personal growth and whatever, that's on you. Right. I don't fucking if monitoring myself and how I'm doing is a full time job. I don't give a rat's fat fucking ass how these people are doing. You know what I mean? I don't know if that's naive or if that's like immature, but I'm just thinking to myself like that. And that's none of my business. I want to align with people who are doing the best that they can do 
and I'm going to make sure I'm doing my best so we can keep doing it and slam it out of the park. And if everybody else is making those mistakes, go right ahead. Because I, I don't know if that will reflect on all of us. What do you think? I think it depends on what it is. Yeah. I mean, I do think that we're having a moment right now that we should enjoy. Yeah, as long as we stay there, we're going to be fine, I think. Maybe I am really Jupiterian in my approach, but I do believe that. Yeah. You have an, a lovely Jupiter energy. Oh, I'm trying. You really do. It's coming out, I guess, you because do. Saturn's conjunct my moon. So I think what's happening is it's like, all right, enough with the cap energy. Enough. Like, do Venus, do Venus Jupiter conjunction in Gemini in the 11th. Just be nice. <laughs> That's what I'm doing. Just be nice. Just, Just be, be nice. nice. Yeah. Because nice. it's true. You'll be fine. Everybody will be if they really demonstrate the best of their ethics and mastery and competency yeah and i just feel like you know life is long hopefully mm, okay pisces moon <laughs> right i know right and all of life is happening at once so yeah i mean what it. is time i <laughs> honestly i guarantee in every conversation you'll have with a pisces that question will come up oh yeah what is time but it's interesting to also be a capricorn rising who's a timekeeper and then to be a pisces moon who time doesn't exist i struggle with that part related to in like a lot of universal spiritual circles how you know the ego time is clock time and how you know the 12 hours is like not the right one because no my cap moon and your cap rising it's like no time is, is extremely important like precision punctuality yeah i know I struggle with that. I don't know the answer, but just wanted to validate. I, yeah. I, feel- I mean, I would love for another podcast time to go through all of the signs and talk about how they see time. Ooh, that I feel like cool. that would be so much that fun. That should be Jupiter and Cap. High five. Yes. yes! Until okay. next time. <laughs> okay, well, this is also, this is fabulous because this is also like the first time that we're really getting to know, I know each other. I know, because we saw each other at the, what was it? The holiday thing. Yeah, we when at Broadly. Yes, the after yes, drinks. The after, yes, yes. Very, it was a large group dinner. We had no quality time. Go ahead. So yeah, it's just I I can't wait for more time together. No. So you. where can we find you, Colin? Yes. Okay. So uh, right now my website is uh, queercosmos.com, which is the name of my second book. Yes. So, so you have another book coming yes, out. Yes. Yes, I do. Mazel. Thank you. So it's just all about uh, the astrology of queer identities and relationships. So we're just trying to queer. Fabulous. Thank you. We're just trying to queer questions related to uh, shared assumptions on identity, sex, sexuality, gender. So anybody across the queer spectrum uh, hopefully will feel seen in the book. Uh, and that's the name of my website. Queer and when is that coming out? November. I should know this date. Jesus Christ. November 13th. November 2019. Yeah, it's coming out November. Yes. First or second week. I should know <laughs> this. Uh, yeah, coming out November. And uh, you can find me on Instagram and Facebook. Colin Bedell, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me, Aliza. And have a wonderful day, everybody listening. Thank you for listening to us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.